Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. And guys, let's start right into it. A resounding victory over the Tucson Roadrunners keeps our, our heroes on track for playoff hockey. Uh, guys, uh, I'm not saying that was a Troy Terry-Jay Beagle mismatch, but um, it wasn't good, JT. It was uh, kind of one-sided. For a change, you know, this this wasn't uh, one of the uh, predictable pratfalls. And I thought all the uh, uh, ingredients were there for, for that to be the, the case. You're, you're coming off a tough road trip, long travel, uh, and really a lot of energy expended both in Edmonton and Calgary uh, by, by, by the Blues. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I told uh, uh, some people before the game, I'm, I'm not going to really buy in that the, the Blues are serious about this uh, playoff push until they, they beat one of these also rants. Well, they, they, they beat, as you mentioned, the, the uh, road runners, uh, they beat them like a drum. And so uh, a very good sign, very good sign for the boys. And to me, I mean, that win is more impressive than the win in Calgary was. I mean, they, you know, did, because we have seen so many times seen them screw up that game. And so they didn't do that. Uh, and so that, that's a telling win going forward as to what they're going to do, because they are going to play some, some bad teams along the way. And it shows that they can do the things they need to do to get those wins. Okay, so let's backtrack just for a bit here to, to hit a negative note because it wouldn't be a net for our presence if we didn't go negative. Um, you know, JT, the last time we talked to you on the net front, you were in Edmonton. And, um, yeah, um, what, uh, what the hell happened there with Jordan Bennington at the start of that game? That, that, uh, I, that, that might have been the worst thing I've seen since the brief career of Jim, the net detective, Kerry, uh, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in goal for our heroes. That was not good. No, it wasn't. And uh, Baruby, uh, uh, <laughs> in typical Baruby, maybe even more for, than typical Baruby style. Uh, so he throws Bennington under the bus. Then I give him a chance to, okay, you know, maybe be a little less harsh with a question about, uh, you know, does he need his confidence? And no, he, he just backed the bus over him again. So, uh, and I kind of got vibes organizationally uh, until this recent turnabout of good play that that uh, the the team was not too crazy about their goaltending lately. That okay, okay, the defense makes mistakes. This happens. This happens. Make some saves. Good goalies are erasers. How many times have we heard Mr. Timmerman say about Bennington when he was doing great things that he makes big saves at opportune times and. Uh, that's that's not happening far from it and i think baruby just is has just gotten very frustrated with uh with jordan bennington hey go out and make a save we, yeah we know our defense makes problems we we, we know uh, has problems occasionally we know they make mistakes but uh but make a save and uh you know it's definitely it's definitely huso's net it's it this thing has evolved throughout the season uh, there were a period where they were, there was a period where they were splitting time, but I just can't see that happening. Uh, these final 13 games, I mean, almost symbolically just within the last game or two, uh, Huso now has more minutes. He has more games played, uh, and he's, he's tied him in, in, in starts tied Bennington and starts. So we've got three back-to-backs here, the, the, the last three weekends of the, the uh, regular season and, I'd be hard pressed to say where else uh, Jordan Bennington uh, squeezes in a start there. 
yeah, if you don't start Bennington against Arizona, uh, I guess you can start him against Seattle. But really, I mean, if you don't start him in that game against the worst team in the league, um, yeah, what, what spot are you going to pick uh, to play him? Um, you know, and, and it's not as though the Blues are playing worse in front of Bennington than they are in front of Uso. It's the same defense. They make the same defense, the same mistakes. They create the same chances for the other team. And if you put them side by side, Uso's making the saves and Bennington's not. And so that's the, that's, you know, what's going to determine it going forward here. Then Vili Huso, he steps up to the plate. He helps him get a point in uh, Edmonton. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough when you get to get out of regulation against Edmonton, let's admit it. Uh, and then, you know, it was a wild game in Calgary, but he, he held up. So on a tough weekend, he, he comes through with three out of four points. Then he comes back with a more routine game against, uh, you know, against the Roadrunners. And, and I thought it was interesting to, uh, I don't know if he was trying to send a message or whatever, but uh, the chief was sort of lavishing praise on Huso, not only for, you know, playing well, but, you know, his work ethic. And, and his, his preparation, he is so um, pretty, it appears the chief is pretty well sold on, 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 on Billy, but uh, maybe not as much on Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely the vibe. And just to, uh, to, to kind of uh, add to, to uh, Tom's uh, last point, let's go to the, the first Calgary game, uh, the seven to one debacle again, circumstances, very similar. It was the end of a Western uh, road trip. It was the third game in four days, and it was the second game of the back-to-back. Calgary had 48 shots in that game. Well, very similar circumstances here this time around. Calgary had 43 shots in this game. Uh, Also, uh, even though the Blues beat Calgary 6-4, to the shots were 25-9 to at one point in the the game, uh, this game uh, Saturday, and yet uh, through – uh, two periods, it was a three to two blues lead. Whereas in Calgary on the 24th through two periods, it was a seven to one Calgary lead. So Huso's making saves. Uh, Bennington, uh, Bennington is not. And yeah, it definitely seems like uh, uh, Baruby's going to roll with Huso. And I mean, obviously there, there are a ton of future ramifications, off season ramifications, but you don't worry about July in uh in april when, when you're in a playoff race and, and and think you have a pretty good team yeah there there was a while huso hit a little dip but he's he's come back uh, he's and he's the guy i mean there, there, I, there's no you know debating it at this point i don't think there's a as jim has said there's you know the, i don't know that there's a case to be made for seeing jordan bennington getting in games you know maybe it's good for the blues if they clinch and are locked into a playoff spot early and they can get you know, rest Huso and give Bennington a couple of games there. But um, yeah, that's uh, welcome to the net, Ville Huso, the rest of the way. Big story coming out of this game was the, the again, more balanced, um, more balanced scoring. Uh, of course, you're again, you're playing the Roadrunners, but still, it's impressive to see the, uh, the 20 goal club uh, fill up. And, you know, I look around the league, JT, and I see even a team like Boston, which is, you know, an upper tier team. They uh, they've got to run Eric Holla out as a number two center and try to prop him up with uh, Pasternak and or uh, and Hall, and then try to have uh, Bergeron drive a line uh, without the the you know with Marshawn kind of splitting up the perfection line. We're seeing that a, re- a lot around the league. Meanwhile, the Blues legitimately have three lines that can attack, and um, and it's very it's, it's it's again it's interesting. It's just all it, right now as if they can get Jordan Cairo going. 
coming back from illness. Um, this may be the most impressive offense we've seen uh, this franchise have balance-wise since the mid-80s. Yeah, yeah. And when, when there was a lot more uh, uh, scoring in the league, it was just a higher scoring league, although it's kind of trending that way now with the scoring up uh, uh, this year. But an outside chance, but still, you know, uh, Thomas, Thomas nearly had a couple goals last night. And uh, O'Reilly has perked up. They have an outside chance to have every member of their top nine finish with uh, 20 or more goals. We, we always talk here at the net front about Armstrong. His kind of mantra is, I, I, I don't want a, a superstar system. I want a collection of good to really good players. And this may, this may be his crowning achievement, at least up front. Now, the blue scoring is down a little bit on the blue line. Uh, they've been first or second most of recent years. And at last check, they were tied for 10th in goals by defensemen. But to have a league high uh, seven players with 20 or more goals is, uh, is, is really something. And, and uh, we asked Bar Ruby about it last night. And, and he talked about if you're defending the Blues, who, who do you shut down? I mean, okay, there's no dry sidle. There's, there's no uh, uh, McJesus, as uh, Gordo calls him. There's, uh, you know, there's no Austin Matthews. But if you're in a playoff series with the Blues, okay, we're gonna we're gonna shut down the uh, uh, Thomas Tarasenko line. Well, then maybe that's the night where uh, Perron scores a couple goals, or or Shen, or or Cairo, or or vice versa. If you concentrate on another line, uh, it's like uh, uh, Chief said: you 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 don't necessarily have not many teams have six top end defensemen that you can throw on three different lines. So uh, it, it's it's the the hope of this team is, is, is up front. And if the defense and goaltending can just kind of hold together uh, a little bit, that there's your hope for, for, for a deep uh, playoff run. Yeah. It, it really shifts the focus to say, what, what is this team defensively is going to have to, is what's going to need to get it because those top two pairings of what now, you know, Scandella and Pareko, and will it be Krug and Falk or what happens when Krug comes back is can those units shut down the other two team, the other team's top two lines. And then can the blues third line outscore the other team's third line. So it is going to make the focus on defensively. Can the blues uh, do that? Because offensively it looks like they should be able to get the job done unless you were to get in a circumstance where somebody can shut down that top two. And then Jordan Cairo goes into a funk or something, but it, it is an optimistic sign uh, going forward if the defense can do its job. Of course, that's a, a big FJT. We've talked about it all year on, in the net front, uh, but uh, so, some good news in the sense that the indications are that they, they it, it would seem they expect Tory Krug to be back, um, certainly for the playoffs, maybe a little before the playoffs, you get, get kind of get that sense that while maybe not imminent um, by the end of the month, yeah, yeah, I, I think maybe uh, by next week at this time, we'll, we'll have a better feel on Krug. Uh, uh, remember, he was week to week with that hand uh, uh, wrist uh, injury. So, uh, you know, Luddy's playing really good. Uh, Scandella's on a, on a good stretch here. Uh, uh, Bet Hockman is taking uh, to calling him uh, springtime Scandella, saying springtime Scandella is usually a good Scandella, I guess, hearkening back to when he replaced uh, Jay Bomeister in the 1920 season. And, and also, uh, fellas, I'm here to declare, can we have a moratorium blues fans just at least for a while 
until further notice on bashing Colton Pareko. Colton is my, uh, plus, excuse me, plus 26, plus 26 since the All-Star break. Plus 26. Again, I know not the end-all be-all stat, but he's been on the ice for a lot of good things. He's leading the league in plus-minus at plus 26 since the All-Star break. The, the second best player there is Leon Dreisaitl at plus 18. Pareko's, you know, there have been a couple bumps here since the All-Star break, but he's playing very, very well. He's the best defenseman the Blues have. Uh, you know, the, though defensively, the most unexpected thing is Callie Rosen has become a regular in the Blues lineup. Things did I did not see coming, but Callie Rosen is five straight games. He's been in the lineup, and he keeps, you know, and they keep putting him in there. And I, if they keep playing well until Krug comes back. I, I think he, he will be in there. Well, JT, his thing, if he can get through a game without having one of those holy crap moments, you know, with just, you know, just an absolutely ridiculously bad decision with the puck. I mean, that's all. He, I mean, he's just got to take his shift, move the puck, stay out of harm's way. And on occasionally, if there's a chance to go in and get the puck on goal, fine, because he's got that ability. But just avoid that disastrous play around your own net, it's particularly the ill-advised outlet, lateral pass in front of the net, a drop pass to nobody. I mean, there's been a number of things we've seen other defensemen do. And so far, uh, Callie's avoided that. Apparently, he he likes being in the NHL versus the HL. Yeah, yeah, and he likes the uh, he likes the NHL uh, p- paycheck being on a uh, a two way uh, two way contract. Reason number I don't know five thousand eight hundred and thirty three. Why you should read the Post Dispatch and STLToday.com. Way back in uh, in uh, September, uh, Doug Armstrong told us that uh, the scouts. I said, Who, "Who's this Rosen guy?" He said, oh, "The scouts kind of like him." And so here he is. So he wouldn't be a total surprise if you were reading the, uh, the PD religiously. I'm sure most of, <laughs> most of you are. But uh, so he's keeping Mikola on the bench. And uh, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. But I think it's exactly what you're saying, Jeff Gordon. He, he knows he's got enough uh, scoring up front, uh, uh, Barubi. Just give me a simple, direct guy which Callie Rosen is who can get the puck out without much histrionics. He did have an old crap moment, as you called it in his very first game. This was back in his first tour way back whenever that was, whatever, whenever it was like early December or something. But ever since then, he's just been solid. And really that's all the blues need right now on defense is, is solid. You know, let's give a tribute to the blues professional scouts because well, actually, the whole scouting. But you look at you look at Rosen. You look at what Walker has done, and then you look at what Torepchenko has done. Two guys who are you know minor league guys who moved around, who the Blues signed as free agents and are now here. And then Torepchenko, who they drafted and is coming on and has become a regular and is forcing out other guys. So it's the the Blues have been able to fill in some blanks with some guys that look you know are depth guys or Torepchenko, who's probably ahead of schedule and are making significant contributions. Yeah, and it's a great point about particularly the, the draft. You know, I think one difference between this era, more modern era uh, that uh, with Bill Armstrong leading into uh, building a building a much of this with uh, that side of the, the organization through scouting and, and drafting versus, you know, what, what happened with the Armo, Kekalainen, uh, before that was, you know, they, the Blues back in the day, they scored some guys at the top of the draft. And, you know, Yarmo gets, you know, can, can take a bow on, on, on some big hits, but they, they weren't as good in the later rounds. And you look at this team, you know, even though Nico's in a bad place right now, 
Uh, but, you know, he's still been quite useful. You know, you, you start looking at guys that went after the first round and, and uh, you know, the way Huso's developed and, and it's just uh, organizationally, it seems like they've got some guys coming along as well uh, in more recent drafts that have a chance. You have to do that because you're not, this is a franchise that's not going to spend a lot of time picking in the top five. It shouldn't uh, over time, not with this ownership. I don't see them ever just conceding that point for many years of just trying to build that way. So JT, they've got to find guys and, and they have. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a key point. Uh, Mikula, I believe was a fifth rounder. I think Torpo, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was a fifth rounder too, maybe a fourth rounder, but, uh, and there have been some people that, uh, that uh, have told uh, like Tom and I that uh, they think, and just, it, this, it sounds more hype than it is that, Torpchenko has some Pat Maroon qualities, not the sandpaper, not the world-class trash talk, but just the big body willing to get in front of the net and the guy that's going to win most of the puck battle battles just through sheer shot, sheer size combined with his, his, his uh, uh, competitiveness. And, and that, uh, that's something that the the blues need now, you know, you know, maybe uh uh, he does again have the sandpaper that uh, that Maroon has as a game, but I, I think Torpchenko's got that in him, and obviously a much better skater than Pat Maroon, way better. <laughs> yeah, Torpchenko, he was the, he was the 113th pick overall in 2017. So uh, uh, they got Thomas, they got Costin, and then they got uh, Torpchenko. So um, yeah, you know, we we it was we saw Bill Armstrong last night. We we had a moves with him, and he's and that's we have Arizona's going to get better. It's going to be a lot of what Bill does in the draft because they got picks. They they got uh, they got a lot of choices uh, to make. So their future is uh, going to be found there. Things that happen on draft day. Well, Tom, one thing you could do to help uh, Trubchenko is um, maybe share some uh, some YouTube clips of uh, the uh, Magnus Pyarvi wraparound. Because uh, that was his one. That was Magnus P.I.'s one move. Um, and it wasn't bad. It kept him in the league for a while. With that, with that, if he, with that kind of wingspan and that, you know, willingness to be around the net, I, I could see if he could master the Magnus P.I. wraparound, that might be five goals a year right there. I'm not saying he's going to go do the Zegras because that, that's pretty tough to do, but dude, just do the Pi Arby. You, you know, if, they're, those, the Blues used to be a great wraparound team. They have not, I don't know that they've had more than one or two this year, but they had, they set an NHL record a few years ago for most wraparound. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's there in the playbook somewhere. All right. So, hey, JT, you guys, uh, uh, Jake Davis had a chance to prove that he's still, uh, remind the team that he's still going. Uh, organization, is, it sounded like the Chiefs, glad to see him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and definitely uh, he made a good impression earlier this year. This is a kid that, uh, again, he may have some of the sandpaper uh, that uh, Torpchenko doesn't have because he seems he's like he might become that type of player. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think he probably could stand to get a little bit stronger, but he definitely is a is a power forward. And, and with some of the skilled guys, it, it's nice to still add uh, power forwards. It's interesting, you know, that he lived with uh, – uh, uh, Braden Shen, because he, he's the guy that he should be watching everything that Shen does. This is what a power forward should do and should be like. And, uh, uh, but you know, he's boy, he's had some, some, uh, uh, some, uh, tough luck, uh, this year, you know, with the, uh, uh, world juniors getting canceled and he's got a, got, got an upper body. It's an injury right now that's kept him out for a bit. 
And, uh, but he's supposed to be back this coming weekend. Uh, uh, you know, most of the junior leagues play the vast majority of their games on the, on the weekend. So he's supposed to return and they have a, just a loaded team. So uh, I think 10 NHL draft picks on the Edmonton oil Kings. And so uh, he's looking forward to a long uh, playoff run uh, the world cup uh, or the world juniors, excuse me, will, will uh, restart in like mid August and it'll be with that. And then, then he's going to come, uh, come to camp. So definitely future looking up and uh, it was pretty cool the way the team uh, during those couple days, cause they got in, uh, you know, that practice day Thursday and then Friday, they, they uh, got them tickets to the game. They invited them to the team breakfast, uh, everything like that. So, uh, 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 you know, they, they, they really make uh, the younger players, uh, feel uh, comfortable and it, it was weird to see because uh uh neighbors this is right after the game he's down in the little bitty media room it's like the size of a large closet basically and uh he's in the back Baruby, rah, 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 crabby craig on uh on bennington and then uh, as soon as that's over he sees neighbors hey hey uh jake big bear hug by the by the chief and then and then off we go the many moods of craig Baruby. And, and they, you know, and they're, they're in on neighbors. They did, you know, I don't know if his name came up at the deadline, but they didn't trade him and uh, they weren't going to trade him. So that's uh, yeah. And so he, when you look at what next year looks like, I think you got to look at, you know, Jake neighbors as one of your, one of your 12 forwards and uh, they'll find a, find a place for him. It was very good to see uh, a little nostalgia, not Cardinals level nostalgia where they actually bring a guy back after you years being gone but uh, some nostalgia anyways with uh, Carl Gunnarsson passing through town JT and uh, uh, a favorite the media guys because Carl was always just you know one he's a real intelligent guy with with good insights on the game but you know Carl was pretty much always in a, just a pretty good mood and just a real good guy to, on the team and you know, he, he could have played as long as his body held up as far as the Blues were concerned and, and pretty much he did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got guys we've talked about Sammy Blay or maybe Vince Dunn being kind of my guys. Well, Carl Gunnarsson is Tom Timmerman's guy. I, I don't know anyone at enterprise who's happier to see uh, Carl Gunnarsson than Tom Timmerman and, and maybe vice versa. Uh, I don't know. May, does that mean does Tom Timmerman have maybe just a little bit of a Swedish personality? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. So maybe there's something that's copacetic about him, but uh, it was good to see Carl. I don't think Craig Berube was totally kidding when uh, he said, uh, you know, maybe Carl could come out of retirement uh, <laughs> next year. Uh, did, did you get that impression, Tom? I, I wasn't sure he was kidding. <laughs> no, you know, when you talk about, you know, predictability, which is the big thing for, uh, uh, for Craig and for most coaches. And I, I think Carl Gunnarsson was, was predictable. The most unpredictable thing he did was score a goal in overtime against Boston. I mean, other than that, you know, the, you, you pretty much could take one Carl Gunnarsson game and, Put it next to every other one. It was the same thing. So it was great to see Carl. And he, and he picked up right where he left off. It was as though Carl had not been gone. Um, you know, he is just is just a, a happy, friendly guy. And uh, it was great to see him. And we wish him all the best uh, back in uh, back in Sweden. Yeah, I guess they can't play forever. He's got kids. He's got to settle in the family life. He and his wife taking some classes. Got to figure out what he's going to do next. I wouldn't be surprised to see Carl running a team over there or, or even coming back and getting in coaching on, on this side of the, the ocean as he tries to figure out his next steps. So, you know, like Alex, Alexander Steen, you know, I mean, guys like that, you just uh, like to see him stay in the game. 
Uh, okay, guys, uh, the homestand continues with a slightly tougher competition. Uh, Seattle's in next. They just uh, just stuck one on the, the Dallas Stars, a Dallas Stars team that, while fatigued, was uh, really anxious to get points. So it's a reminder to the Blues not to take lightly the Kraken, despite how the games have gone against them this season. And then after that, boy, the Minnesota Wild. And uh, a couple games left with the Wild JT. That team is playing really well. Both goaltenders going now because Marc-Andre Fleury's aboard and Cam Talbot's been playing great himself. You know, it's um, this is going to be interesting. A little playoff preview coming up here at the Enterprise Center. Yeah, yeah. First, just a, a quick word on Seattle. They are playing better. Five, four, and one in their last 10. And, and they're, they're a tough out right now. So we're not going to see uh, – I don't even know who Seattle's uh, uh, minor league team is. We're, we're not going to see their version of the uh, – of the Roadrunners, so uh, uh, yeah, better be ready for that one. But then, yeah, you see Minnesota twice in like eight days. Uh, I think there's something to be said for trying to finish second rather than third. Minnesota is one of the toughest. Uh, they have one of the best home ice advantages in the league to to maybe get a potential game seven at Enterprise rather than uh, uh, up there. I think is a a big thing. Just kind of at, at a very basic, simple level, uh, they, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Blues in terms of, okay, Kaprizov looks like he could be a superstar, but uh, right now, just a lot of good players. They're right behind the Blues in terms of 20-goal scores. I think they have, have six, and uh, uh, they're a pretty high-scoring team. They're kind of right with the uh, the Blues, uh, but about 3.5, 3.6 goals a game. Minnesota, though, not as good defensively. They're giving, I think, right at three goals a game. And let, let's face it, the Blues, maybe they won't verbalize that in the coming days or as we get closer to a what looks like a more and more likely uh, first-round playoff matchup. But the Blues have really had their number uh, the last about a uh, year and a half. I think they're uh, – they were like five, one, and two last year in the you know the uh, the eight game extravaganza that you played against uh, the same seven teams over and over, and then they 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 were the Blues were dominant in the uh, in the Winter Classic. I don't know, maybe this is a good just a good matchup for the Blues. We'll we'll see. Yeah, you know if you don't want to say it's a must win game, but if the Blues are going to catch Minnesota, they it really would help them to win that game on Friday. If they lose that game, it opens up the gap, and it's going to make catching up. Uh, Minnesota, a, a lot tougher thing to do. So uh, there's a, a fair amount at stake. If the Blues can win that game, they're going to be uh, you know, one one point behind, two points behind, depending on how things shake out here, uh, going into that last the last few weeks of the season. So when you, you get that close, it's anybody's game. When you're five points back, it's it's a bit bit more of a reach. And, and JT, last thing on uh, in the net front for for this time around, uh, you look at the Wild and. Uh, they're never going to have more urgency, at least not for the next several years, because after this season, they're going to have some serious salary cap uh, problems due to those um, painful buyouts of Ryan Suter and Zach Reese. So uh, this year they were able to do some things to load up. They're going to have to make some tough decisions going forward. They know Bill Guerin knows that this is the year uh, he's got to go for it, which is, was reflected when he went in and added a goaltender when he already had a pretty good goaltender. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And that, kind of a word of caution as we circle back to our original point on Bennington's defense. Oh, just buy him out. What the Minnesota Wild will be facing this coming off season and next season is what uh, Doug Armstrong has done a masterful job of avoiding he, by, by not buying out uh, 
players or retaining salary. Uh, uh, the, it's tough when you paint yourself into a corner uh, cap-wise. Yeah, I, Benjamin Hockman, who wrote a column about the Blues goalie situation in this morning's paper, and I were talking about it last night. We were looking at the what you know a Bennington buyout. It's just you know off the charts. You know, impossible to do at this point. He'd be thinking a salary cap hit for the Blues for like another decade. So, um, yeah, but this is it. This is the chance for Minnesota. The tough thing for them is that it's also the year for Colorado. So that's uh, they've got a tough path ahead of them. But it seems really likely at this point, you know, that the Blues are going to get Minnesota. There's probably a two and three chance right now that that's who their first round opponent is. So um, this will this will be another aspect of uh, of Friday's game. Well, that would be a that would be a fun series. Uh, the state of hockey is it's a fun place to go playoff time. Like you say, man, St. Paul is on fire for, for hockey, uh, <laughs> period. But for the playoffs, that would be something. So um, if that's what uh, the Blues are headed for, that would it could well be a memorable spring. Well, that's it for this edition of the Netfront. A reminder that you can uh, get all of our podcasts and our videos and all the coverage and all, all just all kinds of stuff on stltoday.com and in the post-dispatch print edition but but online we're doing more things online than anybody else are any other news operation our size period north america so please subscribe and support local journalism for jim thomas tom timmerman i'm jeff gordon until next time see ya